0: What's up Dunwoody? 56 years ago today was the day that the Beatles invasion came to America, February 7th, 1964, and today's guest was right in the middle of it. My name is Matt Weber. I'm a realtor trying to bring you the best stories our little Dunwoody community has to offer. Justin Dyke is my partner and co-host. Justin is founder of pooldews.com. The show is brought to you by Brett Friedman from Village Orthodontics. He was just listed in Atlanta Magazine's Best Orthodontist in Atlanta, so congratulations to Brett and his team for that awesome award. We'd also like to announce our newest sponsor, Porter Brew & Cube Brewery. We're really excited to team up with Alan and when Porter and their new general manager, Greg Gordon, has done what he's only brewery. We thought it was a nice fit for us. Um, We'll be hosting some fun outings there and checking in on them every once in a while. So next time you go into Porter, uh, make sure you tell them you listen to the podcast. We've been hanging out with Hayward Westcott more and more over the last couple years, and he's always telling us about his mom and her awesome adventures. Um, it was only natural to sit down with her and record a podcast. So here's our conversation with Gail Cameron Westcott, Hayward's mom. What's up Dunwoody, welcome back to the What's Up Dunwoody podcast. Okay, so
1: we're here with Gail Cameron, but Gail Cameron Westcott. Today, this is a real journalist. We're, we're just goofball citizen <laughs> journalists. You were a real journalist for Life Magazine. When did you start with Life Magazine? I
2: started in the late 50s. And Life magazine at the time was the biggest, most powerful magazine in the world. I mean, it's hard to imagine this digital, instant world we live in now. How People used to wait for it to arrive on Friday afternoons, really, in fight over who got it first. Yeah. Everyone who grew up in that era remembers it, but... Um so that's an interesting concept I didn't even think about that that's that yeah if you have a family full
1: of kids like one of you know one of them's going to jump at it
2: right oh yeah my brother and I would fight over it I mean it was just it was that, that big in, in people's lives and uh, and
3: also the size of it I mean sure you know, it, it was, it was a big large. picture book right you know yeah, in many ways well, we, we had
2: bureaus all over the world it was just it was just a major power you know and it's just uh, it was an era that no one ever thought would pass but of course life goes on as it were and uh, <laughs>
0: How did you get into that? Well,
2: when, I, when, I, was in, when I was in college, I went to Smith College in uh, Northampton, Massachusetts, and we, I sang in a group called the Smith College Chamber Singers. This was not Beatles music. It was very serious music. We sang all over Europe in the summertime, and it was just amazing. I mean, it, and the State Department arranged these concerts. We went all the way to Istanbul. We did it every summer. Life magazine did a story on it called Life Tours Europe with a college choir. And I do remember thinking, these people have a great life. They're just traveling around with us. <laughs> I mean, because back then, we're talking the 50s, if you, if you learned how to type, you were going to be a secretary. You know, so you didn't really probably want to do that. So it just, I just felt I would love to do it. And I was lucky enough to do it. But, um,
3: and she didn't learn how to type, and I didn't learn yeah. how to type, and I regret <laughs> that
2: this. Yeah, I didn't. Do you still type with two fingers? I like still type with just a very. Con- <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, it's called journalism typing, yes, which is where it's a lot of errors. Yeah, no, I've regretted it ever since. That's but, why there's um, an editor, right? Right, exactly. I can't imagine
1: typing back then. I mean, you'd have to, uh, this constant whiteout and everything, you know. Oh, yeah. Not having yeah. an undo yeah. button. Can
2: you imagine typing like that? It's just crazy. Well, we had copy rooms too where they corrected everything and they were, you know, there was oh. a lot there was a lot of interest in, interest in this thing called accuracy, which seems to have <coughs> become a little flexible nowadays yeah. but, um, <laughs> in the world of fake news. <laughs> Loose exactly, word. exactly. No, they were oh, back then, I mean, it was if you made a mistake you would get an, an an orange sheet. You felt like you'd been indicted for murder. You know that would say errors report. And you <laughs> that you were going to have to fill out. You know about fifty different ways of what happened. And um, it's like a red card I mixed in up, soccer. I mixed up two states, Iowa and Ohio. I mean, I don't know how it ever got in the same article, but I I thought I was a typical Easterner. Well, you know they're <laughs> they're, they're pretty similar. Up. They're close. You know, <laughs> four letters, but. Anyway, it was it was a wonderful place to work, and it, you just—I feel very lucky and fortunate to have had the experience. You're just constantly having experiences you never expected to have.
0: Yeah, you've got to, you've had a few experiences over the years. That's why Hayward started telling us about you and all these different <laughs> cool things that you've done, and we thought we had to have you on.
2: Well, thanks.
0: We want to focus on the Beatles, but we
1: but let's start with the Kennedys. So you covered the Kennedy campaign. I covered
2: much of the Kennedy campaign, which was again. Uh, it's hard for people to imagine now but it was it was so exciting because up until then all presidents were really old people you know truman eisenhower fdr suddenly there was this wonderfully fascinating guy who just electrified the nation and i covered much of it um and covered much and covered a lot with jackie went through a hurricane on Hannah yeah, sport with jackie all kinds of things. So it was very, when I, I do connect the Beatles' arrival in America to the assassination of John F. Kennedy. I mean, the, the, the two juxtaposed. When Kennedy was shot, no one can even describe what it was like for this country. It was just, it was like it all came to a stop. And there was, And this grief and gloom continued for all through December, January, and then on February 7th, the Beatles came to America, and it was like everybody began to laugh again. It was just an amazingly therapeutic moment. But where were you when Kennedy was shot? I was in New York, um, having lunch. Someone came in and said, <clears throat> the, the news that Kennedy was shot. We went it was just down from the Time Life Building where we were running back in the elevator went upstairs in the elevator and someone said get down to washington right now i went to the airport i didn't even have a suitcase i just went i mean it was just uh, so it was it was and i was there for about three weeks which was a little complicated without a suitcase but we (laughs) hopefully life helped you out right (laughs) right but um anyway um,
1: do you know where your parents were were? i think oh really uh, I'm pretty sure my mom was walking down the street and she saw it on a TV,
0: like in a department, like you know the I kind the of front window. Window. to the 9/11, where everybody remembers. That's
2: exactly, it. exactly. It was it was very definitely like that, and um,
0: it's weird. I remember eerily, like how I remember every part of that morning, but I don't remember any other morning all through college. I don't think. <laughs>
2: <laughs> college. Absolutely. Well, and then and then the Beatles came to America, and now what's amazing me look, looking back on when we we've been looking this morning at a number of pictures that Hayward has on on his laptop of that day, and it, 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 I can't believe that many years have gone by because it seems so immediate. Um, but that morning, going out to Kennedy Airport, truly we did not know what a big story this was until we got there, and then there might might have been like. Fifty thousand teenagers, all screaming. I mean, yeah. it was it was a sound that has never been replicated. It was like
1: a... yeah. What did you think you were walking into? Like maybe two hundred teenagers, or
2: I don't know. It was just going. You know, I mean, just even finding the photographer. And I remember there were you know there were four limos, one for each beetle. We were the the London bureau had done a big story on the Beatles in England, but it had not registered here yet, and uh, uh, there was one. There's one for Time, Life, Newsweek, and the New York Times. Interesting, no TV channel back then was important enough to get one of those Beatle limos. Uh, and But it was chaos from beginning to end. They had the, the famous press conference. And then I had the badge, which indicated I was going to be in one of the limos. I literally was picked up by the police physically and just thrown into the limousine. I'm screaming because my shoes are now on the air. Had <laughs> fallen off. or now on. The... You're like, I only have one outfit. And right on top of me, right on the floor, comes a beetle. It was Ringo. <laughs> are you gonna ride with Ringo? Yes. Yeah, so I'm screaming, saying my shoes are. <laughs> and he, and I still remember Ringo. Well, get the shoes, love. Just calm down, you know. Sort of... <laughs> and um, and I... he did. He did. And uh, yes. So Ringo and I were kind of bonded from the start, and we do have we do have pictures of he arriving. He went back and got your shoes for you. He did get the shoes, That's yes. funny. <laughs> we're And we're arriving at the Plaza Hotel, and uh, we're still with Ringo, and we do have pictures there of, of first Ringo and then me going into the revolving door, in which got jammed. I still have a scar on my arm from being wounded in the Ringo arrival at the Plaza Hotel.
0: And all these pictures we're going to put up on there What's it Up is. Done, Woody.
2: That's, that's entering the plaza.
0: Revolving doors are dangerous, though.
2: They are. It was right? jammed completely. Yeah. Yes. And there's Ringo. And, and Who would have
1: thought that he, he would possibly be the longest living beetle? I mean, I know McCartney lives a, a very healthy lifestyle. He's a vegan and everything like that. But I still think it's going to be Ringo at the end.
2: I think so, too. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, that, then we were upstairs. I do remember the very first thing they, they ordered was they wanted scotch and coke. Mm. to this day that i hear that must be a british
3: (laughs) liverpool thing specifically hey at least it wasn't pepsi (laughs) that's right
2: it was just it was but i look at how intimate all that was just just this small group of reporters in that room and they we were all just just beginning to understand what we were dealing with you know which was just an amazingly um they
1: must have been figuring it out too that
2: Oh, yeah, they were stunned. Yeah. They were stunned. Their first minutes in America, you know, and, and uh, uh, John Lennon was very sarcastic. I do remember that about the trip in from the airport, because, of course, the trip in from the airport is awful. You know, when you look at the going through, at least at that time, you know, going through much of Queens, it didn't look like, did not look like America as he had envisioned it, but it, but it certainly became that. Yeah, they probably like, America's a dump. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah,
3: it was... Um, that's actually you signing autographs because you got yeah, close well, to the Beatles. Yes,
2: yes. <laughs> that, I learned quickly if you. But, but not only that, if you le- if you left the Plaza Hotel and you happened to be carrying your ballpoint pen and a pad, you were attacked. I mean, because maybe you had touched them. You know, it was just There were teenagers everywhere The Plaza Hotel very, it's, it's very famously known They had no idea uh, What they were hosting They thought they were Four businessmen from Liverpool And uh, they did not realize They were a rock group Or the rock group that they were
1: they, they weren't the greatest Looking bunch either I mean, you look at Ringo You just,
3: you know Yeah, he's Not traditionally sexy let's No, no, in. no <laughs> No, but they had good music Yeah They had true. some good music
2: well, you, so. but but the next night was the was the Ed Sullivan show, where you never, I mean, and at the rehearsal you never heard it. You never even the, the screaming was so. I don't, I don't think I ever heard it until Washington, and and then I thought, wow, this is great music. And I had been covering um, a lot up at the New York Philharmonic and I was more of a classical musician at that time, but. Um, Leonard Bernstein, he became one of their greatest fans immediately, just even musically. I mean, he. There's a wonderful story about that too, a little bit later on, because we we had a call to indicate the the popularity of the Beatles, the, the, what they were, their effect in America was, when that when the concert was put up at Carnegie Hall, we had a call for, in the Life Entertainment Department from the Leonard Bernstein office asking if there were extra tickets, and I thought. There is something crazy if Leonard Bernstein Can't is asking us for tickets <laughs> to Carnegie Hall. What? You know, but um, anyway, you know, anyway. Well, from then on, we went on to, we went to Washington. There's a, there's a wonderful.
1: So you're following them at this point?
2: You're uh, Every, yes. Okay. <laughs> every minute. Yes, went. yes. Wherever they went, we went. And, uh. It, there was a huge snowstorm. They were supposed to fly to Washington. and Instead, we went on the train. And uh, there's a there's a wonderful picture of uh, of their arrival in Washington, where you can is that the one on the that's oh, the one on the. Oh, train. well, that's my actually favorite picture of all the Beatles. I think it, it's it's that one moment of repose. They're fall. They're just totally quiet in the midst of chaos. In that. yeah, on
0: the other side of that glass, there's a bunch of ladies yelling at them.
2: Right. And- Screaming!
0: Right. Yeah, I wish we traveled by train more.
1: I keep trying to oh, talk my wife into oh, taking a train oh, ride. Oh,
2: trains are fabulous! Right? Doesn't that seem
1: fun? You, and you can sleep
2: on them. Oh, really? No, I mean I would love I would love to have gone across the whole country. You know, but I once did did a story on Julia Child where she described <laughs> going coming coming to college from from Pasadena, California, to the to the East Coast where evidently, and all the college kids would all come at the same time, and they would all just party all the way across the country. And I thought, doesn't that sound like a whole lot of fun? Yeah, <laughs> why are we not <laughs> do doing your, that? Do your child and, and, and all her... Three days on a train with all right. like, you, you know... Then they change in Chicago, that kind of... Yeah, exactly.
1: Maybe we can bring it back. Well, there is there is a train that goes from Atlanta to uh, New Orleans, and it's like an eight hour ride, and you, and you can buy a sleeper car even just for the eight hours. Well, or can so you can just you want...
2: also go to New York?
1: Yeah, yeah. This yeah. is this I believe is you don't have to get off or anything like that. There's no transfers or anything. So, right. but like yeah, if you ever wanted to go just for like a weekend, a party with the fellas, go gamble and stuff like that, like why
2: not take the train? Well, because airports are now becoming harder and harder to.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's very little security on the train. You would just like, oh, here's your train ticket, like a bus.
2: This the picture of the arrival in, in Washington.
3: Yeah, that's the DC concert.
2: But the, but the, but the, I love the picture just before it because Brian Somerville is there is there. And is he? he? he not, as opposed to Brian Epstein, the okay. manager. This is Brian Somerville, their PR guy. He's having a complete breakdown. By. <laughs> He's he's had, and he literally quit his job as soon as this tour was over. He just left. He never was seen again. <laughs> was yeah. saying, but um, I think that picture expresses exactly that. what he's feeling. Really <laughs> I'm betting yeah.
3: regrets. Yeah, side. yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: exactly. You know what?
0: Keep the two percent I'm making off you guys. Yeah, exactly. I
1: don't need. It. I don't need this.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: So you were that close to him. I mean, what were they like behind the scenes? Like
2: they were a riot. Personality they were wise. funny. Paul was the most gregarious. The most the, the most difficult one to talk to was George. He just was a very contemplative guy. Ringo was, of course, just Ringo. He was just a... And when we had such a very dramatic beginning with one another, you know, with the shoes and the, the limo and everything, but John Lennon, of course, is the most interesting in so many ways, you know, complicated. The soul. Well, there are many things that happened. I, I ended up going to London uh, with them. And uh, afterwards, and then doing a big story on Brian Epstein, their manager. But I was with, with they were uh, they were doing a TV show called Ready, Steady, Go. <laughs> and it was, uh, and I remember sitting there with John Lennon, and he was just in this terrible mood, and I just said anything wrong <laughs> or and and he he described how his father, whom he had not seen since he was five years old, had reappeared. Wanting, I guess.
0: Fame and fortune.
2: And mostly fortune. Yeah. And uh, and it had him so furious. So, there, yes, there were many intimate moments that one shared behind the scenes. But um, yes, yeah, so, was, so when, and when I went to London, uh, John had written this book called In His Own Right, which we seem to have several copies of now. But he, there's, there's. What year a, was that? It's called In His Own Right. And this was this was that same. Year 1964. I mean, it was. That, Why not and, write a book while you're well, <laughs> while he, he, a superstar he, musician? He, yeah, right, exactly. It was, and uh, uh, and and they had a. There was a, a a literary luncheon that is a legend to this day in London. It was called the Foyle's Luncheon, I've been named it for a huge bookstore, and it's sort of all these kind of very starchy women in hats and uh, <clears throat> silk dresses, and and there was John Lennon, you know, signing. And he saw me, you see, because he remembered from the, all the antics, and it, you know, just said, "Come over here," you know, and, and so I sort of sat next to John Lennon as he signed all the books, and so we—that's why we have three or four of them ourselves. But Gail, okay, um, I need you
1: over here. You're normal. You're cool. Go on. Right, right.
2: Oh, well, now we have skipped the whole the whole business in the pool in Miami. After after Washington, there was this, this concert at Carnegie Hall. And then we flew to Miami, and they did not want to do that picture in the pool. Um, they had been told that after New York and Washington, that they were going to have time off and just to be in the you know beach, do whatever. But of course, I mean, when we arrived, there was an actual motorcade. They went to the hotel. I mean, it was just, and it took a it took a bit to convince them to do this. A a, a friend. A, well, someone in the in the Miami bureau had found a pool where they would be we, where we could take the picture, which evidently turned out to be hard at that time of year. The people in Miami emptied their pools in February. I'm not sure that that's really the case now, but yeah, um, why would you? In, in why Miami? would you? It's not it's not the point for going there. Yeah, <laughs> By the way, we'll but, have that. We'll have some of those yes, photos up on the
1: website yes. for sure because those are great uh, photos. Yeah. I can't believe somebody was like, don't, you know, you're, 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 there's, there's one of them. Yeah, you're teen idols, why not get a few <laughs> shots
2: like that at the pool? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And they finally, they did agree to go. And, uh, and that picture is evidently the most requested picture of all time from Life magazine pictures of, uh, is, is of the, that pool picture. But the, it was supposed to be on the cover. That was the reason they finally agreed. And that a new editor, a, a different editor, took over that week. His name is Hedley Donovan. His name will go down in. <laughs> um, he thought, "Who are these guys? I mean, what is? Why does this matter?" And they were not. It was not used on the cover. It was used in the last page of the magazine. So it became. Well, what made the cover? It, it well, it, eventually it became on the cover, years years. It was later, an anniversary. Yeah, an anniversary issue, but um, but. Um, Yes, and Hayward has some...
3: And I have some of these photos actually framed in my basement. Um,
2: you have the yeah. one with their hair all wild. This one is Ringo
3: <laughs> getting out of the pool. Yeah. And then that's the famous... That's... I forget what year See, that is. that would is. have been the an anniversary. That's 1984. Yeah, that's...
1: So. No, 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 64. 20 years. years later. 64, yeah. Oh, the anniversary, I guess. Anniversary. anniversary.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. that's how I made the cover. Life actually came back. So life went out of business yeah for a little bit
2: well it never really came back as a magazine back. uh it, it it came back when we were all living in london and uh, but uh i mean it ended yeah. then television took all was, life had this huge circulation then television the advertising uh, took it away from, from the magazines. And who would have thought that life would end, but they could no longer support that huge c- circulation.
1: You know, it but, seems uh, like with the brand name, though, they could come back as, as Well, they, they do special,
2: yeah, sure, sure, they do do that. And uh, um, and they did come, so then I then went to London and and did a huge show Brian Epstein, and then they came back in, in August, and that's when we have that other issue here of um, this one yeah and this is an amazing picture The, the the photographer flew over to Blackpool England I think that he had about like five minutes to take that picture and it's just a winner and that is a good photo Bob Hayward's dad and I went to Shea Stadium where we had we were seated in the second row and at one point people came in the police came and said this this little girl claims that you stole her ticket said to bob <laughs> she was just sobbing bob said to her you know that's not true and she said i can't help it i just love them so much. <laughs> and, I, and i thought if we'd only saved those those are worth money now those those stubs from shea stadium but um the next big moment actually happened a year later because then Bob and I got married that following January, and in February Brian Epstein, their manager, had a he had other singers that he was promoting, and he wanted us to do uh, do a story and we met at at the Plaza Hotel with his assistant, and I had just learned I was pregnant and I. I could talk about nothing else but. My pregnancy, not <laughs> my, my unexpected pregnancy. Whatever guy wants to hear, about. right? And so, and I wasn't wasn't at all interested in this singer. it was it was a singer named Silla Black. It sort of wrecked her career, I guess. Because, but <laughs> and the next thing we know, we get a we get a letter a, get a card in the mail about two weeks later from London, which said an elephant is pregnant for twenty two months. So stop complaining, and it's signed by all four. Beatles and, <laughs> and it's um, Hayward has a frame, but I said he's yes. one of the only. Well, there it is.
1: That's amazing.
2: So it's it's um, so Hayward's birth was heralded by the Beatles, which was not many people can say that. It's
1: look at their signatures.
2: Gosh. Yeah. Well, Hayward has it uh, framed, framed. Canvas, yeah. and and Bob has really cool. Bob had the good sense to right. frame the envelope. It's it's double framed on the back, sort of verifying its provenance. You know that. It, where it was mailed and the whole thing. Right. So yeah,
3: I think it says something. That, uh, Gale, it's from Brian Epstein. It says, "Gail, I tried to get the boys to uh, <laughs> oh, sign can- this." Yeah, you can flip over and that's, you got the framed uh, yeah. handwritten letter from uh, Brian Epstein. That's neat. Yeah,
1: yeah, they have they have those like for postcards if you've mm-hmm. got a right. Yeah. When well, you think cool. that
2: Brian was so young too, he was just in his you know thirties. Yeah, here he was, this furniture guy in Liverpool, and had the good sense to. Just He just reacted to... He had no knowledge of, of great rock music or anything. He just... How did he do, get him to sign? He just... You no, know, they were singing, this legend, they were singing at the Cavern, this local club, and, and, and people were all flocking there at lunchtime every day, and he just went and he thought, there's something here, you know, that's amazing, and he just took, became their manager. But he was turned down... I love stories like this. He was turned down by every record company in London... He was told groups are out <laughs> and EMI just took a chance on it and to their great <laughs> to their great relief, actually. I mean, they, of course, we all became very rich. <laughs> yeah, I bet. that's kind of the same
0: story as Bieber. Somebody saw Bieber and it was like he wasn't a, a PR guy or anything. He just picked him up, got him a sign and now he's rich.
2: Well, I, I love stories about like you know, where where people turn down the book that becomes a bestseller and things like that. but 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 Brian was just very persistent. He went to each just went to each record company with this demo and was really not given any encouragement. And then look what happened. Yeah, you know? that's wild. I wonder how
1: many um, things there are out there that are signed by all four Beatles. Can't be that many.
2: I mean, well, I you know I there, I do regret that I, I was being suddenly pursued by all the big powers of Time Incorporated who never spoke to the reporters you know but suddenly they all had a teenage daughter and um, and I had many things that were signed that, that I asked to sign and I didn't get one for myself you know right. that's why I'm thrilled that this card came you know but um, I was out with them at Wembley Stadium when i told hayward that the mick jagger came by i didn't realize exactly entirely who he was (laughs) but um but i had i had several of those souvenir books and had and had them signed for these time inc big guys you know but
0: yeah, it's funny you didn't know any of that stuff was valuable was at valuable. the time. No, no, no. I you were telling us before the show started that you were given Hayward's babysitters stuff. And yes, yes. Just well, giving away things. Well, we
2: had these life photos, and, and they were all, all the, the. Yes, Hayward. Hayward, whose birth is heralded by the Beatles, he they were is then born. So then, babysitters were living in New York, and and babysitters are all freaked out by the Beatles, and we'd say, "Oh, well, take a picture," you know. and... We have now, a stack right here right where yeah, each one is sure. you think about two thousand dollars just because it's don't stamped know. on the back from well i don't, I don't, I don't know original. Much, yeah we don't know how much well so that's we how
3: were. they they looked at all the photos to figure out what was good they just put them all over the tables and the floors and then pulled out the good ones you know sure. so then there would be all these discarded these
2: extras and they were yeah. just so so if you wanted them help yourself and so, when i was growing
3: uh, up that we had a box literally right. a box of all these photographs
2: well, because also we used to make albums for all for all um, all the people that we did stories. Some of the at least the people like the Beatles and others, and and um, so we would there be discards from that, you know. And they'd be like, well, who wants this? And it's sure. So we have a number of Alfred Eisenstats and things like that. They were just at the time just discards. They weren't, uh, you know, but they're very valuable now and cherished really by us.
1: So when was the last time you you covered them? Was it just that one time when they were coming to America, or did you touch base with them? Remember
2: when we went in Atlanta when Ringo came? (laughs) Well,
1: it was was two times actually. Did you friend him on Facebook? Was this recently? (laughs) No, (laughs) no.
3: So there was um, one time where uh, there was a restaurant that was opening up that was a joint ownership of Brian, um, uh, who's the Rolling Stones bassist. Anyway, uh, the Rolling Stones bassist. What were those restaurants? They were very popular. Jerry Lee Lewis. Yeah. And Ringo Starr were all the. uh, It was called the Brasserie. It was in Peachtree Center.
2: Okay. And you
3: went down and uh, covered that opening, and uh, Ringo was there, and they all performed. Jerry Lee Lewis performed. What year Uh, was this? uh, This is nineteen eighty-six. Eighties. And he remembered you as the Shoe Girl, huh?
2: No, <laughs> he, he, was, he was he was kind of drunk, wasn't yeah, he? he was, was so.
3: Yeah, <laughs> he was hammered that night. He, yeah. drink more, he so was hammered that night. He doesn't drink anymore. I think he sobered up. Yeah, yeah he sobered yeah,
2: up. He, he was pretty totally hammered, but up. But he, was, but he, was, yeah. he was
3: that night. Yeah. He was woo. Yeah.
2: Um, we we yeah. went to Paul McCartney. Yeah. So in, then and, another time where I was
3: working, I used to set up trade shows down at the World Congress Center, and you called me and said, "Hey, do you want to go to the Paul McCartney press conference?" And I'm like. Well, yeah. <laughs> and so uh, we went to the press conference. It was really cool. My observation right. is Paul. you asked a question and you said, I don't know if you remember me. And he goes, yes, I do. Yeah,
2: yeah That was Paul.
3: And that yeah, was, yeah. we're talking yeah. like 30 years have gone yeah, by. Yeah,
2: So He's that was like, really cool. And <laughs> yeah.
3: then they gave us tickets to the show.
2: Right, exactly. That yeah.
3: night. So we got to see Paul McCartney and Wings uh, at the old Omni. And uh, and they were great seats. And
2: We did a lot of stuff. But yeah. Hayward was a teenager, too. oh, we really? always well, That's why I love well, music sometimes. Well, so Hayward yeah. also... But, hey, but, but we actually... For a time, the only magazine that um, ever failed in Time Incorporated was a magazine called TV Cable Week, which they don't even acknowledge ever existed. But we had a really great time for, for about eight weeks. We were sort of traveling around. We covered NASCAR. <laughs> we did. <laughs> and... Um, um, Country music. We went to the the Conway Twitty, Barbara Mandrell, Baseball Classic. We did these things.
1: <laughs> Maybe they were just before their time because all that is really popular now. Right. NASCAR, I also, country
3: music. Cool. I, I got right. to get a lot of Braves games. That was a lot you of fun did. For We me. covered a lot of the Braves. Uh, Dale Murphy was at the peak of his right. career at that right. point. Um, and that magazine was trying to compete against TV Guide is what the goal was, I think. Right, yeah.
2: and they never, they never got it. The, the, the idea was they were going to have... Cable was just... Becoming popular, and they were going to be able to have a magazine that would, was tuned to every cable system around. It, it didn't, in the end, work. Uh, but, um, but we had a very good time. Yep. Um, actually, Harrod and I went. We were we had didn't know anything about country music, and we did cover that baseball game. Where afterwards, we had to get quotes from everybody, and <clears throat> I just remember someone coming up t- to me and saying, "You do not ask Mr. Akoff." How to spell his name? (laughs) He was kind of like the dean of country music. It was sort of like, but we didn't know who he was actually. But um. and can you spell it now?
1: (laughs) Uh, Where Uh, were when you found out that Lennon died?
2: Here, we had just moved here. Yeah, just moved here. No, it was uh, just 1980. I think it was. Yeah. And um, yeah, isn't that? It's still stunning, isn't it? You know, even to go there in Central Park now, um, or to go by that building, there's always German Japanese yeah. tourists out taking pictures. It's, it, to this day, you know, know. Why that is? I don't know. And why would they want a picture of that? Where? It yeah, where where John John Lennon was shot, kind of. Yeah. Kind of bizarre. It was. But what a what an era, and what what a what a wonderful contribution it sends the world into. to our lives we've had a good time with it.
3: Absolutely. What was your what was your favorite story of covering out of all the stuff? Oh, there that you just used? there just isn't oh. you
2: know because the the wonderful thing about journalism and particularly the the way this period of journalism was. Nowadays, so much. I mean, I did. Well, I did People Magazine here for about fifteen years, and we had a. We had a, we did a, we did a lot of things. I mean, there were there were one. We covered the whole Jim and Tammy um, meltdown, which was pretty fascinating if you came from another. Yeah. World. I mean, it was just. Uh, but. Um, you also covered. The what's alcohol. interesting, but Billy Graham. I covered a lot of. Yeah. Uh, you know, there. Every everything. These are cliches, but it really is true that everybody has a story to tell. I mean, whether or not they think they do or not. We once did a story on... Uh, it was Amy Lagasse had, had, had determined that the world's greatest cheeseburger was in Mount Pleasant, North South Carolina. And I got this call from New York about doing a story on the world's greatest cheeseburger. I said, absolutely. I mean, of course. Do I get to try it? <laughs> What was? But I still was this remember. The fir- the, Wait, was this the first
1: the First person that ever made that claim? Like everyone says, like
2: <laughs> done what best pizza, you know?
1: But no, but there's no con. Well, you the, know. The,
2: the, the, the deal is, this really was not a great cheeseburger. It was, <laughs> and we got there, and but the, but I do remember the man who the, the, the man who owned the owned the restaurant, and he said, "There's nothing interesting about me at all," and uh, so I said, "Well, just give us a few, you know." Well, I mean, it turned out he'd grown up in a farm without any electricity. And then World War II would come. He'd been captured by the Germans. Then he'd escaped. Then he was captured again. And I said, you know, this is not everybody's. It sounds like a boring (laughs) life, right? This is not your ordinary story. I mean, but this is someone saying there's nothing interesting about him. Then he comes out and he goes to the Citadel. Um, I mean, it just, it became just, and then he ends up running this restaurant with the world's greatest cheeseburger, except the cheeseburger really... (laughs) <laughs> was lacking but um
1: that was the thing that was not, uh, not memorable just okay cheeseburger. He, he was
2: interesting it was the yeah. cheeseburger was less so <laughs>
1: <clears throat> okay we got to talk about some of the medical stuff here gary dockery policeman who woke up after a 20-year coma
2: oh in chattanooga
1: yeah yes so so you obviously after he woke up you came and you went and talked to him and yeah well, the interview did. wouldn't
0: have been as good while he was in a coma probably <laughs> that's true yeah <laughs>
2: You didn't just happen to be there. Like, Wait, I think he's waking up. He's smiled. Actually, I do. What I do remember about that too is that is that was one of the only times that, I, that people were they were calling me from New York saying, "Sign him up. Get the rights for it." Yeah. You know and entered it. Sort of, but well, what um, year was that? I don't know. Does it say? It's, no, no, it doesn't uh, yeah, say. Yeah. Good notes. Yeah. I do remember it very well.
1: well I was going to say does, did he know of the Beatles? Like did he was he <laughs> yeah, shot in no. like
2: 62 Yeah, no. know. no. It was kind of like and he it did not last. Oh. Um is is uh, but but imagine I mean you know his, he had children who would know I mean the very fact that he'd been there for 20 years in this coma. Nobody pulled the plug out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, exactly. Right. Don't exactly. no, no yeah. yeah. make you
0: think twice when you're pulling mine. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. right. 20 exactly. years, maybe wake yeah. back up. I'm going to, exactly.
1: to the nurse, I'm going to say, give me your fluffiest pillows in five minutes alone with Matt. <laughs> right, right. Uh, that, that's like that all summer in a day. I mean, he must have had to, if it didn't last, uh, you know.
2: Oh, and, but it's, it, yeah, again, talk of having an interesting story to tell, yes. His, his, he, had, he lacked 20 years, but um, it was a very, I remember him quite well. But,
1: All right, I didn't know uh, this, that Curtis Mayfield ended up being a quadriplegic?
2: Yes, he did. He did. And uh, What was the accident? He It was an accident on a soundstage in Brooklyn, uh, and he it was like he was practically... Almost semi, almost electrocuted, sort of. It was. Um,
3: I did not know this yeah. at
2: all. Yeah, no, he was. Yeah, he was really very much. Uh, but
3: there's a there's also some tragedy stories you've covered, such as Susan Smith up in um, South Carolina, Oh, the
2: Susan and then Smith the uh, Oklahoma
3: City bombing was a a big one. I remember you coming back. Well,
2: the from Oklahoma that. City bombing, I what I do what I do remember most is that is is uh, the the stories that are not told often um we went around to, there was a, the, the children were all killed in a day center there and we went around to every one of the families this is for people magazine and uh, we we really did not want to intrude on any family we just wanted a picture of each of these children and but what was amazing and what has always been surprising to me in terms of reporting is is people will often say how can you intrude on people in these worst moments of their lives it is sort of the opposite people really want to we had trouble getting out of people's houses they really wanted to talk they That's want what Jennifer you to Betcher know said, yeah it's it's just the opposite you're not intruding it, it is um, I mean it always surprised me and but what's but 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 what stayed with me with the Oklahoma City bombing was uh, we finally had to leave this grandmother her two-year-old grandson had been killed and and I said we have to well the photographer is out I'm looking out the window he's out there with a, with a convertible and he's going you know come on you know and I couldn't extract myself you know and I just said to this woman I wish I just wish there was something we could do for you and she said well there is and I said what and she said would you take the high chair out of the kitchen? Mm. No. And I always felt that that should have been the headline for the story, that that really summed it up, you know, because it, it you know, and it, of course then I took it out of the kitchen into the carport, and then I didn't know what to do with it, but I I left it there. I thought, well, I've taken it out, you out it of the kitchen. Yeah, head. I've taken the first step. You it's maybe a little that, weird
1: if you put it in the convertible and drive off of the high chair.
2: I know, but... Um, no, so yes, there are many. You, you, many times, you're people are sort of at the worst moments of their lives, but they they very much want to talk, and because they want you to know how wonderful this person was, you know. An acknowledgement. I, I also love Julia Child. Um, we were with her the last day of, that she was before her kitchen was transferred to the Smithsonian, and. I, was, I asked her, she had also gone to Smith College, and I asked her what she remembered most about her college days, and she said, and I've never forgotten it, well, I remember a lot of drinking and a lot of throwing up. What about you? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sounds like my college.
2: <laughs> and, um, wonderful moments like that.
1: Uh, can we go back to the uh, Candace
2: Anderson's mystery illness? What was the mystery illness? I think it's still a mystery. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> she was. She was. She was. That was here in Atlanta. It, it, it was actually. This, I, I don't know how it ever, that ever ended. She just suddenly became. Be, it, but it was attracting a lot of attention, in terms of uh, doctors here as to what she just suddenly became totally, uh, almost comatose, and, and just with no cause. I mean, it was like uh, and. And then her sister did, so it was sort of people looking around the house, "What's happening here?" You know, but um, hmm. I don't know. Is that someone which should probably follow up? Whatever happened to Candace? I don't know. As soon as
1: it happens to somebody else, then you got to start bringing the CDC yes, in. Yes, like, exactly. What's exactly. going on over here?
2: Exactly.
1: So
0: Hayward, what was it like growing up with your mom? I mean, were you did you go That's on a lot of these adventures cool. yeah, with yeah, her,
3: or? her? Oh, absolutely, totally did. Um, as I said, we got to go to. Uh, we did a lot a of stuff Murphy together. And um, Country music. Yep. Um, we
2: went to the that, nun, the nun in in Alabama who had a had a broadcast network. Yep. And
3: there was one time when I was a little kid that I was supposed to go visit Donald Rumsfeld, and since I, I got sick or something, and then he sent me. This was the first time he was uh, Secretary of Defense, not the second time. Rummy. And uh, he ended up sending a letter on Secretary of Defense stationery and signed it and sent it And photo. he sent the
2: photo signed. Yeah.
3: Yeah, kind of neat. And then you guys also interviewed Betty Davis. I was supposed to go with that, too.
2: Right.
1: Um, Exactly. Rumsfeld comes off pretty well in that movie. Uh, The recent one, Vice, with uh, Christian Bale playing Dick Cheney. I think, and Rumsfeld's played by uh, Steve Carell. It's good, yeah.
3: Yeah, It's worth seeing. But you've interviewed a bunch of presidents. Um, Jimmy
1: Carter... um, Every time something pops up on my phone about Carter, I'm like, "That's it, he's gone," you know. <laughs> yeah. And it's never really good stuff that pops up. It's always, "Well, he's going into the hospital." They'll say, it's, "He's coming out of the hospital yeah. at he, 95." You know? should
0: just assume that he's coming. Out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think so.
2: He had he had sort of the people around him were very difficult. Actually, I do remember that um, uh, when he won the Nobel Prize, um, uh, going to interview him, and and his the people around him said. Uh, you can only ask questions about the carter center i said well <laughs> not really i mean we're going to talk about a lot of things but they got me so rattled that i couldn't find the tape recorder in my purse and those <laughs> and then and then jimmy carter said well don't you take shorthand i said no and he said i do and he he said he had taken it all through the naval academy which was sort of an interesting fact you know but um so it is remarkable that he yeah he continues i mean just so you couldn't type, couldn't do the shorthand. <laughs> right, it must have been good if they're sending you all these places. <laughs> Maybe you were just I nice to talk to. I talk could, I could to. write in notebooks, and I had a very good ear. You got people to open up. Look uh, how
1: gorgeous she was. Of course, uh, there's something. Uh, was that uh, it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and and we're, you
2: know, had a, had a, I feel very lucky to have had it, had the time to do it, and the times that we shared doing it too. Uh, but, well, I do remember also with, at during the assassination. Aftermath, being, being in the executive office building at, opposite the White House where all these floral things were coming from all over the world and coming out of this room and suddenly along comes Lyndon Johnson who was like this huge guy, you know, and, uh, and I just was, at that point, suddenly we had been covering the, the rivals at the White House the whole day we were exhausted it was raining I was suddenly feeling very emotional, and, uh, and I still remember Lyndon Johnson, who I did not know at all, just suddenly put his arms around me and he said, Well, little lady, you know, um, it was kind of like everything's going to be all right. And I, I said something ridiculous like, No, <laughs> it never will be. And, and um, uh, Lyndon did it. <laughs> Is going to be on the podcast? <laughs> accusing, Sorry, you're safe. Accusing Lyndon Johnson
1: of... <laughs> oh, we're not the... I'm not the person.
3: I'm not accusing him, but... <laughs> the Secret Service will be at my house tomorrow. No, I, one thing I'm proud to say I got... Is, well, not I got, but I remember you guys getting a Christmas card from James Brown. How cool is that? I forgot that. <laughs> that, is, well. that is pretty darn cool. You know, we made James. his Christmas card list. <laughs>
1: Did he sign it? Or that feels he? good.
2: Yeah. <laughs> James, James, James Brown would say, when I I interviewed him and he kept saying, uh, uh, we'd be in the middle of a sentence and he'd say, I love that honey hair. <laughs> I was kind of, you know, and we'd go on and he'd say, that honey hair. <laughs> I was getting very self-conscious. Third time is a little creepy. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, anyway. Yeah, anyway, well, but we made the Christmas card very yeah. soon.
3: I feel like we
1: need to have you back on just to...
2: <laughs> well, we'll come as a regular team. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's the next, like, cam- the next campaign. I'm just
3: the son. This is the cool
1: mom. There's 20 pages of stories here we could talk about. Absolutely. Each one has, you know, 30 stories on here. Yeah. Right. Which well, is, we're trying, we just need we're
2: trying it. to organize all these pictures and all these stories, and it's we really need a professional. Archive is to kind of help us. I've kind of tried to
3: collectively put together all the Beatles stuff. So it's all together. Well, you have a
2: whole box. Right, yeah.
3: yeah, So it's not intermixed with the whole memoirs of everything. Because I think the Beatles is actually probably the coolest story out of the whole group. Everybody's interested in it. And and, uh, also just the visuals, you know, these visuals. Um, When we're done here, I'll also show you some other photos that are just amazing from um, the Kenny Bunkport. When you covered... Um, Jackie? Jackie, oh. yeah. Hyannisport. Yeah, Hyannisport. Kenny part
2: is yeah. the Bush family. That's not, I didn't wrong, yeah, wrong president. Wrong president. There's a
1: movie in here. There's like a <laughs> Forrest Gump type movie where yeah. it's like you interacting with, you know, just skips you around. You know,
2: I, I often have thought of that so in some ways. But I, some of you, you find yourself in the middle of something you never expected to be. Or well, like the Susan Smith trial, which, um, remember her? Yeah. Yeah.
3: And you had John Payne and Ramsey. That was another tragedy.
2: Yes. Um, oh gosh.
3: There's, there's, there's tragedies in mixed with some fun stories. So that's if you look at the bio, it's just. It's and to this day, I aspect. am
2: very neurotic about um, when cell phones <laughs> came out, and I had a cell phone go off during a trial, <laughs> and the judge, and it was one of these flip, you know, down in a deep person, and the, the judge said, well, "We'll just stop the trial and wait." What? <laughs> This is why I'm so neurotic about it. And Hayward knows whenever I go anyplace with the cell phone, I'm is it really off? You know I mean? <laughs> because then I finally got it, and then I couldn't figure out how to turn it off. You know? And I thought, you know, you're at that point thinking you're going to kill yourself. You know what I mean? so,
1: slowly go down mm-hmm, here first and mm-hmm, you try to mute mm-hmm, it. You know. mm-hmm. It's not me, but I've got some Tic Tacs in here I really need.
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, Who is that? <laughs> fun on the journalism front, Yes. Yep. Great. Well, I've enjoyed talking with you, and yeah, yeah thank, you our- yes, and thank, you thank you for having her. Yes, thank you for coming. Really,
1: I hope Matt hit record. Oh, d- yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Check. All right. Well,
3: thanks a lot. Absolutely.